So how many of you got into those adult coloring books that were all the rage a few years ago? Don't be, afraid, don't be shy. I did. It's, okay. <laughs> um, and I really enjoyed it for a while. I enjoyed that the pictures were so intricate compared to the things we did when we were kids. And my motor skills had refined to a point that I could always color inside the lines. I enjoyed the super pack of pencil crayons with all of the colors. I experimented with monochromatic color schemes and then contrasting color schemes and then shading, all kinds of different things to try and make it more interesting. I enjoyed being lost in an activity where my mind could just wander and think and do its thing. I found it relaxing. And then it wasn't. Then I got restless. Then I knew what the color scheme was that I wanted to do, and I was impatient to get it done, and it wasn't going fast enough, and I got sloppy, and I got bored. So I stopped doing that. <laughs> it was no longer relaxing. It was just another thing on my list of things that I felt like I had to do. And that sort of boredom and impatience can creep into so many parts of our lives. You know, we start by putting things in our lives that we hope will be meaningful for us. We go to school, we get jobs, we have families, and all of these things are good, but they can become familiar to us. They can become lists of things to do, and they can lose their joy. And the writer Ecclesiastes understood this, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. We work really hard, and then we die, and somebody else spends our money. It's vanity. It's meaningless. So we decide to change careers, or we buy a new car, or we, we, we remodel our kitchen or our bathroom. We plant more exotic flowers in our yards. We take cooking lessons. We take yoga lessons. We take whatever. And once again, there's nothing wrong with any of these things in themselves, but they may not necessarily resolve that underlying restlessness that remains after that distraction, after that newness has worn off. We're left with that same kind of bored, impatient, frustrated, in a rut kind of feeling. But I think the... Colossians passage can help us out a little bit with this restlessness. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Well, what does that mean exactly? At one point, I thought, are we just supposed to sit around all day and think about our next life in heaven, hoping that somehow our disappointments in this life will be more bearable? I hope not. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I read a wisdom commentary this week, and it puts it this way. A theopoetically sensitive reading. There's a new word. Theopoetic. <laughs> Theology that is poetic, um, which is an interesting way to read Colossians. Uh, so a sensitive reading that way changes the passage a little bit. It understands that the spatial and temporal metaphors of high and above are metaphors 
rather than a description of a created order. It recognizes that things above, um, not as things that rule or rank above our human stratum in the great chain of being, but rather as things that transcend human knowing, things that exceed human finitude, and therefore invite us into an imaginative and creative life of longing and seeking. Just going to read part of that again. Things that transcend human knowing and exceed our finiteness, inviting us into an imaginative and creative life of longing and seeking. According to that author, the restlessness, that deep longing, that deep seeking for something more is something we need, something we can use to shape how we live in a meaningful way. So what are these things above, these things that transcend our human understanding, these, these things that exceed our finiteness? I'm going to call these things coloring outside the lines. It's a new fun thing to do after I spent all that time coloring inside the lines. <laughs> I'll start with an example from Jesus' ministry. The Old Testament teaches, do not murder. But Jesus taught, do not hate your brother or sister. Jesus did not invalidate the law. Do not murder is still a line that we shouldn't cross. It's on our coloring page. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. But do not hate transcends the old law. It's an application of the law of love, the higher law. Love others as you love yourself. The law of love is one of those things above. It neutralizes hate long before hate has a chance to lead to murder. So do not put murder puts a limit on acceptable behavior, but do not hate calls for an ongoing internal reflection of our thoughts, our feelings, our motives, and our behaviors. The law of love calls us to a new way of being. Jesus is coloring outside the lines, opening up the law to its fuller meaning and inviting us into an imaginative, creative way of living with one another. And I would like to color a little bit outside the lines in Colossians today. I bring my experiences as a chaplain, my understanding of psychology to the text, without changing the meaning of the text, but perhaps adding a little bit of clarity. So I just want to focus on the contrast between the old self and the new self. So now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language. I would argue that we actually don't need to get rid of anger. From a psychological perspective, anger is an emotion. It's neither positive nor negative in itself. And when I'm working with people and hear their anger, I use it as a clue that something much deeper is going on for them. Anger is often a surface emotion covering a deep wound or a strong fear. And we are often uncomfortable with anger because it is a very powerful emotion but it's not wrong to be angry. However, 
we do have a choice with what we do with our anger. And I absolutely fully support scripture that we should never use the power of anger to fuel plots for revenge against those who make us angry or to spread rumors about people or to verbally abuse people. That is not the way of the law of love. As we put on the new self, as we're renewed in the image of our creator, we learn to be more honest with God and with ourselves. This process is ongoing as God continues to bring our hidden selves and our hidden wounds and our hidden issues to the surface where we can acknowledge them and where God can heal them. Colossians doesn't stop there. Do not lie to one another. As we are renewed, we also recognize that all of our relationships with others are damaged because we are all wounded people. The higher law of love teaches us to be honest with one another. This is definitely coloring outside of the lines as our natural inclination is to hide our vulnerabilities from one another. But we do not need to pretend that we are not angry with one another when we are. But we can choose to focus on the higher law of love, to harness that anger, to give us an energy to, be, to find creative, imaginative ways to bring reconciliation to our damaged relationships. That's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. And sometimes those distractions are nice because we don't want to think about that. I'm just going to go garden instead. I'm just going to go color instead and not think about all of that because it's a lot. But if we want to learn to color outside the lines, we have to learn to confront those who have hurt us, choosing to approach them with humility, not with attack. Choosing kind words, not abusive ones. Patiently explaining our thoughts and feelings until we're understood where that hurt was, what happened. And eventually, choosing to forgive. That whole process takes time. That's not a let's follow the steps and we're done today. It's time. Sometimes a long time. The law of love can also help us hear when others come to confront us. Instead of defensiveness, we can practice compassion. We can patiently clear up miscommunications and misunderstandings. And we learn to humbly apologize for our part. And every relationship we have is unique, and we will have to find creative, imaginative ways for every relationship in our life. The law of love will transcend our hurts and our wounds and the way we think about others and the way we approach others and the way we ask for the things we need for ourselves to find healing. The law of love is bigger than us. I feel like we could stop there. (laughs) 
Being vulnerable with ourselves and God sounds exhausting enough, let alone trying to figure out how to apply the law of love to our relationships. But Colossians doesn't stop there, so we can't stop there. So let's press on. As each of us is being renewed according to the image of our creator, we learn to be stronger, healthier selves. We learn to build stronger, healthier relationships with others, with individuals. And then, on top of all that, we are challenged to build stronger and healthier communities. The author of Colossians is coloring way outside the lines. Redefining boundaries of what is and is not community. Christ is all and in all, and the human ways of defining belonging are no longer relevant. There's no longer Jew or Greek, no longer division between ethnic groups, no longer circumcised or uncircumcised, no divisions between people with different religious practices, no longer barbarian or Scythian, The commentary I read said that's probably a geographical reference. Paul's world was the Roman Empire. Barbarians were to the north, Scythians were to the south. So this is Paul's idea of a bigger world. We've come a long way since then, since we're inhabiting all the continents, except for maybe Antarctica, but there's a few people there. Transcends the globe now. There's no longer slave or free. No division between people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. No high class, low class, middle class, low education, high education, multiple PhDs, no high school. There's a radical inclusiveness that the law of love invites people from all communities into God's community. And God doesn't ask us to somehow put aside all our differences and become one big homogenous community where we all think alike and do the same things all the time. How boring. God invites every tribe, every tongue, every nation with all the uniqueness and all the diversity into a community of peace and respect and love and understanding and patience and gentleness. And that sounds like a wonderful ideal, but it's going to take some super creative and highly imaginative coloring outside the lines to put this law of love into practice on a worldwide scale. And I love Pastor Jeremy and his tobacco experiment. He is coloring outside the lines. He is taking a group of mostly Western European background who were mostly brought up in households where smoking was just wrong and you just don't do that and you stay away from tobacco, right? But Jeremy's transcending that law, that cultural division, asking us to grow tobacco so that we can have a proper gift to offer our indigenous friends and elders. That's coloring outside the lines. That's a creative approach to breaking down one of those lines on our page that causes division rather than finding a way to bring unity. 
Love it. Creative. And humanity has such a long history of deep division and conflict and war. And we live out of the consequences of that deep woundedness and fear every day. You just have to read the newspaper, watch TV. In our own context, in Canada, Paul's list might sound something like this. There's no longer Indigenous Canadian or immigrant Canadian. There's no longer French Catholic or English Protestant. Right. What else can you think of? Where are the divisions marked out in your mind? More importantly, which of those lines cause us to think we, meaning our group who think the same, are right, and they, those who don't think like us, are wrong? The division lines aren't the problem. The division lines help us hold our diversity and our uniqueness. The problem is in our attitudes towards the other. Do we think ourselves better? If they were only more like us, we could all get along. If they only did things our way, we could all get along. Have you got something in mind for your us and them division? Christ is all and in all. We dare not treat anyone as less than because the radical inclusiveness of the law of love makes us all co-equal in Christ. That's a higher thought. That is a thought that can we can use that restlessness, that restlessness that we feel, that we want more. We can aim for that thought. How do we work to bring healing to ourselves, to our relationships, to our communities, and beyond? How do we engage our creativity and our imaginations so that we can apply that law of love and build each other up instead of tearing each other down? Christ's thoughts are higher. He is all and in all and invites us all into relationship, into community, into peace. Amen.